You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 102 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for February 2022. Joining me today, I have a wonderful panel, and um, I'm going to start with the person we already know. So, Chuck, welcome back. It is You promised me at the start of the year you'd try to be here more often, and thank you. You have lived up to your promise. Hey, thank you for having me, Bart. Um, it's it's great when the schedules sort of line up. It seems like for a while there, it was just not hitting, and this time it has been, so I love it. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm delighted you can be here. Um, and we are joined by a first-time guest. Um, the wonderful Rod Simmons from the SMR podcast is joining us here for the first time. Rod, welcome aboard. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And uh, this it's fun. I finally get to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, so <laughs> this will be this will be a really good show, I think. Well, since you're new here, um, and actually you're the first SMR person to be on the show here. So maybe just let the listeners know what the SMR podcast is all about. Uh, I always say it's a cast of clowns that uh, myself, Rob and Chris have been friends for I'd like to say the better part of 15, 16 years. Uh, we worked together uh, many moons ago at the same company, uh, converged together, started talking, and then we decided one day, let's start a podcast. Uh, <laughs> and do. the SMR podcast really stood for Simple Mobile Review, um, but we've moved well beyond doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but we never changed the name of the podcast. And I think it's just nice because it's a couple friends who get together and they we talk tech. We would do it no matter what. But we turn on mics and do it. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And a number of people get into our Discord and all those things to uh, listen listen to us talk and chat with us. And we talk about anything from woodworking to tech to barbecue. You name it, it, it happens on the show. And I should say, one of the things that makes your show special is that you're not like all Mac people or all Android people or all Windows people. You're an eclectic mix. So you're nice. You, you can have a little bit of a disagreement from time to time. Yeah. That is true. I am the only Mac user in the group, uh, although Rob has teased Allison that he's flirting with getting a Mac. Uh, Chris is a hardcore Windows guy. They both use Windows machines. Chris has finally left Windows Phone, and he is now he's a hardcore iPhone user. He's appled all throughout his house with the HomePods, everything. <laughs> he's using Siri, uh, HomeKit. He went full in Apple. Like when he when he commits, he commits. Uh, and I play around with every single technology you can get to. I just recently switched to an Android phone, and as I was going through some security stuff, you know, getting myself prepared for this, I was like, oh, I, oops, sorry. Oh, I guess uh, Android isn't as secure as it's supposed to be with uh, its secure enclave uh, or broken yes, secure enclave. slightly leaky secure enclave, you know. Yes. One of the rules about something, about, you know, keys you're only supposed to use once is that you're only supposed to use them once. <laughs> Apparently no one told uh, Samsung, but anyway. Yes, that is true. Well, anyway, folks, we have a month's worth of Apple news to digest together. Um, before we get stuck into the main stories, I'm going to start by just a little bit of follow-up of stories we've covered in recent shows. Um, app tracking transparency is the story that continues to give. Um, this month, uh, we are seeing more of the fallout, although I have a pet theory, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. So... 
the the three facts that we we learned this month are that Facebook uh, had a bad earnings call, um, and they basically say that ATT cost them ten billion with a B dollars, and their share price basically fell off a twenty five percent cliff, and then rather than bouncing back up, kept falling down to about thirty three percent down. So whoopsie daisies. Um, Snapshot, meanwhile, their shares went up 50% because their company was like, yeah, this iOS privacy stuff, not a problem for us. And Twitter's profits did fall a little bit, but they were like, yeah, no, it's not the privacy stuff. That's that's grand. So my pet theory is Facebook are not in trouble because of Apple. Facebook are in trouble because the young people have left. Because they also announced that their daily usership was down. And I think that spooked people an awful lot more than Apple's ad thing. You think I'm a crazy? No, I think you're probably right. I think this is the first time Facebook has reported a um, a decline in average daily users in a long time. Uh, from app tracking, when I think – and again, this is just my perspective. It's a cat and mouse game. Uh, you change something, we just have to figure out how to work around it. TikTok, I think, was the first that said they had figured out something around it. And now you have Snapchat and Twitter saying that this isn't going to be very impactful to their business. So um, I, I don't think you're too far off. I think their issue is um, people are stepping back and looking at Facebook and saying, do I really want to be here? And uh, Allison had a very compelling conversation about just uh, – some of the really horrific stuff that Facebook has done behind the scenes. Um, so I do understand why people would be leaving the platform. Bart, I, I like your theory to a point, but I think that maybe the, the uh, app privacy thing has done more damage than you're giving it credit for. The last thing I saw said that only 18% of uh, iPhone users had opted in to sharing. So that's a pretty healthy chunk out of what was going to Facebook. And when I see things like this, it, it cost them $10 billion. Okay, so how much were they making before? I mean, you know, if, if it, what is, it, they really haven't said, I don't think, unless you can quote it, um, you know, how much of a percentage hit this was for them. They just said 10 billion because they want to try to make Apple look like the bad guy. Um, you know, I I think it kind of shows that they're the bad guy because if if they were using our private information to that kind of advantage, and Apple was able to hit this, I mean, look, let's just pretend that you're you're fifty percent right, and that's five billion dollars that you know yeah. that that is attributable attributable to the app tracking. That's that's a pretty solid hit. That's a very good way to look at it, and that's yeah. Um, I I guess the other thing that that sort of strikes me is. This is about inter-app tracking, but Facebook have this massive empire where they keep you inside the app and they learn all this stuff about you. So they shouldn't be hit nearly as hard as places that don't have that empire. So they should be weathering this storm better, and they're not. You would you would think they'd be weathering it better. And again, I'd I'd I guess I'd like to see two to three quarters out as to sure. is it really impactful? Because sometimes it's like the false signal saying, oh, what you've done is so horrible. Yeah, we're fine. Right, guys? We're good. Um, let's just make them believe that they figured it out and they're slowing us down when, in fact, we already know how to work around this. Um, we'll take the temporary hit because, again, the statement is really impactful to the stock price. Uh, the stock price is where you saw the market valuation loss. 
as if revenue stays constant or we don't see a big dip in revenue, um, they'll they'll continue throughout. I, again, you can't lie to the market, but uh, sometimes you can. I mean, we've seen tons of companies give head fakes. Uh, Steve Jobs was famous for doing it, saying uh, uh, by the numbers they were seeing. Stick a pin in that one. Is it this month's news or actually yes, yes it is. So yeah, stick a pin in that one. We'll get back to that on the legal <laughs> latest section, although not about Facebook. Um, but a certain fruit company. Anyway, um, the other story that is the story of the year, if not longer, right, is uh, pressure on Apple and Google, frankly, for their app stores. So South Korea was one of the first uh, company uh, countries to bring in a law, and their law was actually called the anti-Google law because in South Korea, Google is a much, much bigger market share than Apple. But obviously, Apple is caught up in it too, and South Korea are not happy with Apple's plan to comply with their law. And then we have the Dutch. Uh, We talked in January quite a bit about how strange it was that you have this teeny tiny carve-out of dating apps in Holland, or sorry, in the Netherlands, to be precise, um, that have to allow third-party payment processing. Um, And at that stage, I think Apple had already been fined a few, at least once when we last recorded. Uh, They've now been fined five times and there's only four weeks in February. So they must have been fined once before we started. Um, They released (laughs) their reduced payment fees from 30% to 27%. And that made a lot of people quite cranky. Uh, they also made it that the every app has to pick either you're 100% in Apple's camp for payment or you're 100% not. You can't let the user choose how they would like to pay. You have to do a whole separate SKU for your app. Um, the Dutch find Apple, find Apple again, find Apple again. Apple then sent them a letter on the 28th saying, no, 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 we really have complied. Look, it's really easy. Just do a whole separate SKU. You have to opt into one or the other. And the Dutch were like, no, we said it couldn't. you couldn't put hurdles on the developers. Them there? Them there be hurdles. Have another fine. Uh, so they've now been fined five times, uh, $5.7 million-ish a pop, five, uh, 5 million euro, I believe. Um, the chief, uh, this EU chief slams Apple is a very annoying headline. The EU Competition Commissioner, uh, Mart- Margareta Vestager, uh, is not particularly happy. She was like, yeah, Apple are big enough that they're just choosing to pay fines instead of actually complying with the regulators. She's probably got a point. Um, and uh, quite a few people have said, look, you know, what Apple are charging are platform fees, not credit processing fees. So in Apple's mind, the biggest part of that 30% is because they have introduced you to the customer, not because they are doing some credit card processing. That's only a small percentage. Therefore, of course, 30 goes down to 27. Um, and then there's also a whole separate uh, court case brewing in Holland um, where a there's a new foundation has been set up by a tech journalist and entrepreneur, Alexander Kloppig, uh, who is going after Apple and Google, claiming that their monopolies on app stores have cost Dutch citizens a billion euro, which is a figure he's just magicked out of somewhere. So I don't know if there's much we, we want to recover on this ground again. And again, and again. But if anyone, if anyone was particularly taken by this month's news, do please uh, share. So I've I've probably been vocal with Allison on this particular topic a couple times. And I, I, well, I think first, 
the fines are so trivial. Uh, it's like it's it, it honestly, if you had like pocket change or you you know you had like a petty cash, that uh, a five point seven million dollar fine to Apple is like it's cheaper to pay the fine than comply. So big deal. Keep fining. You, you could find them $5.7 million a day, every day of the year. And it's still cheaper not to comply. So someone did the math. I think it was an hour. I think that's how long it takes. Yeah. So I, I guess what I look at it and I say, I don't think the fines will get them to move in line with it. Um, but they should fight because it is their revenue stream. But in the same respect, from my perspective, I I absolutely think 30% or 27% is way too high. It is way too high of a of a, a fee to charge on an app. It's my personal opinion. It's I've been in the software industry for 30 years and I know what margins can be on software companies. And when you're taking a third of someone's revenue, that is it's a lot. And my fear is always that if Apple don't get out ahead of this, they are going to have their you know backsides handed them by a government somewhere that is big enough. Because the reason the fines are so small is because this is the maximum Dutch law allows. Because when the legislators wrote the laws, they were imagining Dutch law applying to Dutch companies. And yeah. No one was imagining companies whose annual revenue is bigger than probably Holland's GDP, or uh, not GDP, or um, ah, GDP. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've i been vocal on this, too, about supporting Apple, because I, I, th I think it's interesting if we go back in history just a little bit. When Apple opened the App Store and it was 30 percent for apps then and, and the app prices were not then what they are now. I mean, we're, we're seeing people start to push back at, you know, raising prices to something a little more reasonable. Nobody was complaining then. And so what really has changed here? Um, you know, it's and in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not able to speak like Rod can to the software world, but just in general retail, 30 percent to do the marketing, to do the hosting, to, you know, do some level of quality control. We could argue about that. Um, and I'm sure some people will. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is a certain amount of quality control that goes in. And there's the goodwill of being in the app store, the Apple app store, as Absolutely. opposed to some others. So, uh, you know, I just this this idea of legislators pushing back and trying to mandate what Apple can and can't do just bothers me a lot. And and I mean, and uh, let's see this Mr. Clopping who is doing it. He's going after Apple and Google. Well, kind of the same thing, you know, and as I recall, the the Google app store or Play Store, I guess. The, the fees are pretty similar to what Apple's saying, but Apple's always the one that gets the bullseye painted on its chest. I think you sell more, I was going to say sell more newspapers, sell more clicks. <laughs> no one prints on paper anymore, but you sell more clicks, I think, by that way. Yeah. So if you, if you look at a company like um, ServiceNow, large company, if you, want to, if you want to put something in the ServiceNow marketplace, you have to pay them five grand to become in their partner program. It's five grand annually. There's a number. And, and mind you, I wouldn't even mind if Apple said, hey, our number is this for this revenue company and we got to stagger it based on revenue company. It's the blanket 30 percent is where I say, I don't know. Could you okay. imagine? But, but Rod, it's actually 15 percent for almost everyone, right? Because almost everyone makes less than a million dollars a year. So almost everyone is actually paying the lower rate. The only people paying the 30 percent are the really big people. And they're, ma they're making yes. more than a million. So, 
you know, world's so, violin on that one. So imagine, imagine for those companies, there was a flat fee of 50 grand a year. If you, if you're making over a million dollars a year in our app store, 50 or a hundred grand, if you go over 5 million or a hundred, most companies would say, we'll write the check and we'll move on with life. We're, we're fine at that point. It's the, it's the uncapped number where it, you will always make more. And the people who suffer at the end of the day are the consumers. We're, we're paying that commission. We are paying more for it because they're just, that's just how the model is going to work. They're not going to say, well, we'll eat it to be in the app store. It's the consumer who wants it paying for it. If, if Visa or MasterCard came in and said, um, if you want to have our logo in your store, it's 30%. We, we've cultivated a reputation, trust with the community of users, ensuring that they have buyer protection. If anything happens to their credit card, they're fully indemnified. That doesn't impact you. Way to go. Apple, we want 30% for every single transaction you do that ties back to a Visa or MasterCard. We'd all think that's crazy because they only charge 2 to 3% right now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, it, it, I... <laughs> to some extent, this is a follow-up of the story that never ends, right? Yeah. It comes up in every yeah. month's show notes, and so every month we get a different perspective because every month we have different guests, right? Which is which is or, the advantage. Or can, can can I just throw one thing in? Go on. Uh, and <clears throat> I can't leave it alone. Rod, <laughs> pardon me. Rod, your argument reminds me of the situations I've seen in the real world, and I'm going to pick on car salesmen, okay? Right, okay. Because a really good car salesman can sell a lot of cars, all right. And a lot of times the car salesman, because of his commissions, will make more than the owner of the car dealership. OK. Mm-hmm. And I've seen I, I know of people that have been fired because they were making too much money because the dealership wanted to put a cap on there. And so never mind the fact that, you know, they were all making money while the guy was selling the cars yep. and he just happened to be, you know, getting his his cut. And the other the others were not the, the other salespeople. So fine, he just walked across the street, started selling cars for somebody else, making them money. And and I feel like there's an analogy in there somewhere that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, as a, I'm not a developer, but as a, somebody who might want to try, I could go in and I could enjoy all the benefits of the App Store for a relatively low price, as opposed to having a pay-to-play to barrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the barrier for developers is very low. I th- is it 100 bucks? 100? Yeah, something yeah, like that. 80, yeah, yeah, it's 89 euros. So that's probably $99 per yeah. year. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I feel like this is everybody's getting all head up over the fact that Apple's making all this money. They're making money too. Well, since we're I all throwing our ore in, I'm going to throw my ore in as well. Um, <laughs> so I actually don't think arguing about the price kind of gets to the point, because to me, the real problem is where you have Apple being both the referee, which I think is important because a walled garden is not a bug in the Apple system. It's a feature, right? I am I buy Apple stuff because they curate that walled garden, right? I want a good gardener. I don't want to live in chaos land. But they're also competing against the people they're gardening. And that's the bit where I think some sort of rules of the road are needed. And I, I don't think it should be a case of thou shalt not, but it should be a case of thou must be transparent in a certain way. So my my yeah. worry with these app stores is that at the moment, it's a little bit too much of a free-for-all to be both, as the analogy, as the, you know, the cliche goes, the referee and the player. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think a little bit of something to put some manners on that isn't called for. But I, I, I don't know, I... If they're allowed to charge, then I'm not going to argue about whether it should be, you know, $15 or 15%, 30%. To, to me, the bigger question is, is it fair? 
and I'm a little worried about them competing with the people they're also controlling. So I'll take the exact opposite approach from what I'm saying. There is a mechanism. And no, because I, I, <laughs> I do think the rate is too high. But if we wanted to look at it this way, there is a mechanism that you could put your app in the app store. Like Netflix could have an app and just say, if you want to have a Netflix account, you have to navigate to Netflix.com, create an account, and pay directly on Netflix. You cannot do it through the app store, which means Apple never gets a cut. It, it's the fact that you want this friction-free purchasing uh, within the Apple ecosystem, within the app, um, it, which is creating all the challenge. Because companies do it today where they're just like, the only way, you have a free version, and if you want more, you have to go outside the app to get more. But isn't that an argument that Apple actually do deserve something? Because they are clearly introducing customers to Netflix. So that's your uh, platform fee, right? So it, I don't think it should be zero. I would I would struggle to say that someone who's on the Apple ecosystem suddenly discovered Netflix uh, from Apple. Well, okay, but if they didn't, possible. no, but if they didn't, they would never be in line for the thirty percent because they would have signed up to Netflix another way. So the only people in line for the thirty percent are the people who are actually introduced by Apple, or that want the frictionless purchase purchasing. You know, the, the, and there and there is some value to friction. Darn straight, I, I will pay a premium for that Apple subscription where I have my privacy preserved and I have a really easy mechanism for turning it off. Exactly. Yeah, I I I, I think of it as like I pay, I'll pay a fee for that safety and security of doing a transaction, like I do with Visa, Mastercard, American Express. It's worth it. Yeah, well, that, yeah, but if Visa, MasterCard, and American Express don't offer quite the same walled garden, they do offer you your money back, though, which is... That's that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they don't protect you from losing it, but they will help you get it back, <laughs> which is, yeah, you're right. No, anyway, right, as I say, this, this story comes up every month, and every month you have a very... I have yet to be on a panel, like, there's a lot of stories where the whole panel agrees. This one has never been like that. And this has been on our show for 12 months now, at least. And of all of those 12 panels, we have never had agreement, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it is a it's a polarizing topic because I can I can see both sides of the equation. I, I tend to side. I'm, I've been in software development for years, so I tend to side with developers. So that's just uh, my habit. I, I do wonder, what is your take on the whole 27 percent? Hey, you can use something outside of our system, but it's just going to cost you 27 percent. I think the fact that they're 30. forcing the developer to, to force the user one way or the other instead of letting the user choose, I think that just sucks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what Microsoft went through with the, uh, with the browser selection bar that they had to do. And I think it was in Europe, right? Uh, yeah, but that was actually quite different because that was the opposite. That was the user had to be allowed to choose. So the first time you mm -hmm. launched IE yeah. on Windows, you were basically, you know, so the bundled browser would obviously be the first thing to open a URL, right? Because it is going to be in there bundled. But they then had to present um, a randomly ordered, and it was random, which is a big thing that was fought over. Because of the, imagine who would go first, right? That would be a huge problem. So yeah. it was a randomly ordered list of buttons, basically going, there are alternative browsers, and you saw it once. And you got to choose your browser. So th it's quite different. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Microsoft is a good segue that I'm going to take. I'm going to take the segue. Um, so Microsoft thought they would have some fun with Apple on this. And they were like, we have our principles of um, our principled approach to app stores. And then they put a little asterisk next to it and went, and none of our principles apply to the Xbox store. So, oh, I see. So a console device, like say an app console, is completely different. So why are you having it go with Apple 
cake, eat it too. Was anyone impressed by this? Uh, I wasn't. I, mind you, I'm not a I'm not a gamer at all. So I Xbox games. It's I think Chris. He could talk to this ad nauseum. But I wouldn't. I think I can say I do know is that I've had my kids. Can you go to this website and buy this card that I load into the Xbox so I can get these credits? I don't know how Microsoft collects on that because I'll wind up having to go to some other website to jo- get something so that they can have it in the Xbox. Maybe they do collect on it. I don't understand that. But yeah, I think it is like a – it's a BS stance because honestly, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and even if you look at Amazon and their quasi-marketplace they have for Android phones, all they all want to protect a business model. And I, I can't blame any of them because I'm sure for each one of them it's a large revenue model um, that – while they provide a service, the what they get over top, I think it helps them. It helps them generate business. It helps them continue to provide those things, and it helps feed the profit line. I, I think each one of them likes to poke fun at each other when they can, and they think they're in a, some higher moral ground. It just looks terrible because basically the Xbox Store is just like the Play Store is just like the App Store. They're all the same, but they like to you know they they like to. To, to get on this moral high horse, so we, you know, if you look over here and ignore the thing over here, we're different. <laughs> but you can't do that. Can, can can I sum this up in two words? Oh, go yes. on. Typical Microsoft. <laughs> that works. That works. That's that's. Uh, I'm going to segue that's, us on. Um, that, that's it. <laughs> Apple did do a nice thing for developers. Um, they made it easier to stay in the cheaper 15% bracket. Um, they had this weird rule that if you transferred an app into your account, you couldn't also be in the small business program and get that 15% commission instead of 30 It was always a weird rule. Now it is a historical rule. It is gone. So you can transfer apps between developers without either of them being kicked out of the small business program. Obviously, if you make too much money... Well, oh dear, you're now a millionaire. Oh well. <laughs> anyway. Um, Notable Numbers is the segment of the show notes that's been very empty the last while because I've decided I don't care about analysts making guesses. Uh, but there actually was a number that caught my eye because it's based on some actual measurement. So a health insurer in Australia called AIA, uh, they have a program where they give some of their customers Apple Watches and they track their health outcomes and so forth. And what they found was that if you give someone a tracker that tells you to stand up every hour and encourages you to close your rings, 51% of people will be more active. So you can either say only 51% or, oh, wow, more than half the people actually, a tiny little tap on the wrist is enough to make them more active. So yay. I don't know. I mean, Chuck, I remember you uh, being one of the people who was surprised by how effective that little close your rings thing is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's – I'm not a big – in fact, I'm not a gamer at all. But I'm seeing more and more applications of some kind of game theory mm. to things, and I find myself falling victim to them as well. You know, and so uh, it, for whatever reason, you know, it, it motivates you. And in this case, instead of just racking up points or gold coins or, you know, something silly, you're racking up something positive that actually, you know – Kind of the, the the trouble with it, you'll never know what it was going to be like if you didn't do it. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know troubles, what the path yeah. was taken. But at the same time, you know, I know that it's good for me. And so, yeah, if it taps me on the wrist, as long as I, you know, I'm not in the middle of some kind of conference call, you try to stand up, walk around the room a little bit at the very least. Um, every little bit helps. Well, if you're not afraid to be slightly embarrassed once or twice, 
My colleagues in work do not take any heed of the fact that every once an hour, Bart will just stand up. I'll just stand behind my chair. It's like, look, we've been in this meeting for an hour. I'm going to stand up for a bit. And at first people are like, you're a bit weird because the Irish don't do, you know, health. Um, but after a while, it was just like, oh, wow, I've been in this meeting for an hour. It's like, yeah, yeah, probably a good idea to stand up. Yeah, it is a good idea to stand up and mm-hmm. wake you up. So, so you know, one of my favorite features on the Apple Watch when I was using uh, my Apple phone was um, Breathe. Where with you know, hey, it's time for you to breathe. And to me, I found it to be it's a thirty second thing, but it's super relaxing, great. And I I do believe there's the I think you said it, Chuck, the gamification of it. I would find like even with Fitbit, Fitbit did it as well. I know uh, a company that we used to work with in the Midwest. They gave they gave for free Apple Watches or Fitbits to their employees, and just to get them moving because it helped drive down health insurance and it helped create a fit environment. So employees would all walk together around the building and they'd walk around walkways they had, but it it just got employees, because when they were walking, they were talking shop because they're walking oh, with their yeah. colleagues. So there's that great aspect. But in the personal life, I remember uh, teaming with Allison, and which is the worst thing. She's, she's super competitive. I would walk and because she had an advantage that I was East Coast, she's West, so her day ends after me. If I got in front of her, she would say, oh, hell no, and would get up at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And it's like too late for you to catch that rod because your day's already flipped. And she would beat me that day. So I could never beat Allison because she had a three-hour advantage on me. She could always just do whatever she needed to do. And, th- and that kind of competitiveness between friends, like when you when you have your friends and you see that, wait a second, someone just passed me. Someone's doing better than me. I better get up and go do my thing. And that motivation – at least with fitness is probably the best thing you could ever have gamification works and so a lot of time it's used against us i think it's great when it's used as a force for good yeah i we uh a friend of mine his they, they got his mother an apple watch and this is slightly different but um they got her one because she had an accident where she fell and it was hours before her daughter knew she fell so they got her one so now they have fall detection yeah. she was totally fine um from it but it was it was just the daughter was like i've been calling i can't get a hold of her she ran over the house realized she fell got her up got her hospital nothing major wrong just a little cuts and scratches but moving forward they're like they're now very comfortable knowing she has that apple watch on her arm if she falls she always has something to place that phone call with and it's it's like that kind of great thing so to me i look at the apple watch and say you know it's great i know bart it helped you with weight loss and i know my buddy chris yeah yeah, he lost. And the other thing, right? I mean, the, the fall detection is fantastic for older people. It's also really good for people who are who lead an active life, because mm-hmm. I, I there are twice when I have had to tell my watch, no, no, don't call nine one one, because while I did indeed fall off my bike, once I was knocked off my bike by an actual by a van hit and run, I was actually injured, oh but gosh. I was too high on adrenaline to notice. I cycled home <laughs> uh, with a bruised sternum. It turns out. Terrible idea. Um, but the second time I had just gotten clip-on pedals for the first time ever, and I literally <laughs> just fell over. Like, I literally just fell over. And it was the most embarrassing thing ever. And my watch is like, do you want me to call an ambulance? And I was like, no, I'm mortified. Yeah, it is it, whenever the fr- everyone with clip-on pedals has had that experience. It, the worst is even if you've had it for a while, like you're pulling up to a light and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like you're trying to like – if you have the ones where your heel has to swing out, 
and you start swinging. You're like, it's not going far enough. It's not coming. And it's too late. Like the bike is like dead stop and you just feel it going. You're slowly, like, it's a, slowly, slowly. It's, it's, it's the most frustrating thing on the planet because you know it's happening and you just can't stop. You just say, oh, yeah. gravity, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's 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 easy to spend somebody else's money, but with the with the capabilities the Apple Watch has now, between calling for help, mm. fall detection, and so many of the other health health aspects, it it almost starts to strike me as no matter what age you are, why wouldn't you? You know, from okay. a safety standpoint, and and I could even make a case for you know for younger people. Um, who, you know, can find themselves in a situation they can't handle and they can summon help, you know, very easily. They don't even necessarily have to pull out their phone. So well, it, the amount it, of stories, st- right, where you have young people who are told there's a weird thing going on with their heart because young people do not expect to have heart issues, right? Yeah. Yes. And the, but the watch doesn't care what age you think you are. If the watch detects something weird, the watch will tell you. And you just see these stories all the time on, on the various Apple websites. You know, Apple Watch saved my life, Apple Watch saved my life. And it's a 30-something-year-old who has actually had a genuine cardiac incident but would never have thought, oh, I need to go to the hospital. It's like, oh, I just feel a bit weird. And the watch goes, uh, excuse me. And they go in and they almost apologize. And then the doctor comes out and says, thank goodness you came. Uh, I think Chuck hit it as well good with young kids, um, not for the health reason, but we tell our kids, if you're at a party, like you're, you're, they're going out, they want to go to a party with their friends, fine. Look, if the person you're with is drinking, you don't get in the car. If you feel you're being pressured for anything, just tap your watch, text me anything random. To me, that random text from you where it's just like squiggle line, any random gibberish text is your signal to me, hey, call and say, it's time for you to come home and say, look, my dad's calling. He's pissed off. I got to get home. And it gives you your out. Your out is your random parent calling and being you know, a jerk. Um, <laughs> but it allows them to not feel the peer pressure. It's like, I'm going to give you the out that so you don't have to feel that you're the one kid who's not going to um, you know, partake in whatever it is that you know you shouldn't do. There you go. So from a parent perspective, it's just one of the great things you can do is like, I'll always be your way to get out of a situation that you feel that you're in too deep on. I would right, I'm not as a teenager. I, I, yeah, and I'm I'm not a parent, but I I love that idea. I mean, because that ends up you end up being the partner with the kid, but you don't end up being the overbearing guardian partner. Yeah. It's like, well, go do your thing, you know, use your best judgment, but if you get in over your head, you know, here's here's a life lifesaver. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, the best thing a parent can tell a kid is if you go to a party and you drink and you drove there, just call me. I'll pick you up. There's no questions asked. The fact that you called means more than me in the world than the, than the problem that you drank. Well, I'm not even worried about – I'm not going to worry about that part. I'm gonna, I love the fact that you picked up the phone and called so I could come get you and make sure you, that you know, we have another day to do the same thing. Yeah. I, d- I didn't think we'd be giving wholesome parenting advice in the show, but <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> The Apple Watch is a good thing. It really is. I I think it's probably – everybody thinks the iPhone is the best device they created. I think I think the watch is. Yeah, and Tim Cook uh, agrees with you because Tim was – you know, when Tim took over, he said, you know, he's very excited about health and he thinks health is what Apple will be remembered for. And uh, people scoffed at him, but I don't think – I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. Now, I'm going to jump us into my least favorite section of the show, legal latest, because apparently no one will stop suing Apple. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't, will it ever end? No. Um, yeah. So, okay, so our new best friend is Ericsson versus Apple, which is going to be around for 
goodness knows how long. Well, I can tell you at least how long, at least another year and a half, because it is going to trial in the US in June 2023. I initially thought, oh, good, just a few months. No, then I saw the last digit. No, no, next year. So this will be with us for a while. Um, And then we had a slight revival from the past. So I was very cranky um, in January 2020. Just actually, that was around about the time I got hit by the car or by the the white van. Anyway, um, just before we all went into COVID lockdown, Apple lost a patent case against Caltech and Broadcom, which I at the time felt was ridiculous. Um, And now a judge has agreed. It is uh, basically the judge was like the jury were, you know, on something when they awarded the damages here. This is completely inappropriate and is going back for a new trial. So on the one hand, the judgment is gone. On the other hand, we get to do it all over again. So we get to talk about Caltech, Broadcom and Apple again too. Although we don't have a date yet for that trial. Um, Apple is being sued by Spacetime 3D over their three-dimensional screen display. And the reason I bothered with putting this one in the show notes, because I don't put everyone who sues Apple in the show notes, but this is actually a company who make and sell stuff as opposed to a patent troll. And I do feel slightly like... You know, these guys invented this whole idea that if you want to make a 2D screen work for something complicated, make it a three-dimensional representation like you get when you do that swipe thing to see your multiple tabs. And they actually sell a product to do that. And apparently they also demo the tech to Apple in the hope of getting licensing. So, uh, you know, they certainly feel genuinely cranky and they actually make something. So I'll be curious to see how that case turns out. Um, And then, remember I said put a pin in something? Well... Apple is now facing a class action lawsuit from shareholders because back in January 2019, Tim Cook said on the earnings call that, ah, no, China's grand. The stock market were pretty sure China wasn't grand. Tim Cook said, no, no, they're grand. And then they were forced to issue a profit warning and shares fell by 8% on the profit warning. And shareholders were like, you misled us and you cost us 8%. Therefore, we are suing you. Uh, The suit was initially started by an American firm, uh, but the lead plaintiff in the class action, and they have been granted class action status, um, is the Norfolk County Council from the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But they are filing their case in the United States of America, even though they're a a UK county council. Um, So, yeah, at the time, that Tim Cook statement seemed off. And it does go to show that you're not supposed to mislead investors so (laughs) the last one really really irks me and because i I think you have to show uh damage and what i say is this if in 20 what night i think you said it was 2019 apple supposedly Mm -hmm. misled investors and if you just go back and you look at apple stock you know june 2019 it was split adjusted it was 48 dollars a share if you still own it $164. $164. So that 8% fall, yeah. you got that back. Well, my whole thing is if you if you sold stock and lost 8%, you can prove damage. Fair enough. Just lock, knock your little 8% out. But if you didn't sell, there was no damage. It, it, to me, it's equivalent to the whole Tesla going private. I, I owned Tesla stock pre that at $200 pre-split and enjoyed it running up to almost $1,700, $1,800 splitting and moving. I could care less about a lawsuit around that because 
that was just a momentary blip on the radar. 8% drop in Apple stock. I mean, honestly, they've seen 8% drops this just calendar year. It's not a big deal. Um, it provided you didn't sell. So I, I, I hate class action lawsuits because it just drags out the worst of people. They just, they're just going after Apple because they have a lot of money. That's, that's just my opinion. If you didn't sell, I, shut up and move on. That's actually a very Rod, good point. Think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I, and, and, you know, there's something really strange about it being filed in the UK, but the lead plaintiff is Norfolk County Council from the UK. I mean, what? You know, so is this a, a U.S. law firm of questionable reputation, um, you know, trying to create something? I mean, or how, how, did, how did Norfolk County Council, you know, decide on who to approach in the U.S.? This a, a law firm to file a suit like this. It, it, you're you're right, Rod. It just it's Apple has the money, and there's always going to be somebody trying to get just a, just a little bit. You know, because they figure if Apple settles just to avoid legal costs, then mm. you know it'll be worth it. The trouble is that the actual plaintiffs will see such a small percentage of that. The attorneys will take so much, you know, a ridiculous amount. Yep, and a lot of these class actions. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in my understanding as a silly foreigner, but my understanding is there are law firms who exist to seek out aggrieved people, convince them to take a class action suit, and then basically take all the profit, and the aggrieved people get a a, a sort of a token amount. Yes, yeah, and (laughs) and when you think about, you're not paying the lawyer, so they're they're saying we're taking all the risk and. Fair enough. So we're taking all the legal risk of this. We're running your case through where we're going to take, you know, 30, 40 percent off the top of the case and we'll distribute the rest to the individual users. It's it's in the lawyer's best interest to get class action status, because rather than getting the eight percent for this one guy who only had like 20 shares of Apple, we can get eight percent for millions of people who had uh, that that Apple. But we don't have to prove any damage or any loss. Because you can argue, say, there's damage in the stock price going up and down. Fine, if you want to say that. But if you didn't sell, there's no loss. There's nothing to recognize with the IRS for mm. loss. So I mean, Apple's up 3x since this happened. So uh, to me, it's a pretty non-issue. But yeah, uh, that's the way I look at it. That, that is actually a very good way to look at it. Because these are like the – in the case of Norfolk County Council, it's their pension fund is the lead plaintiff. Pension funds are not day traders. Pension funds are not right. buying and selling, right? They're in it for the long haul. So they really should indeed be making out like gangbusters from, you know, the Apple share price because Apple shares are performing really well. Yep. So, and just to sort of go back to the Tesla thing, the issue there, I think, is that it may be a pump and dump scheme, which is basically fraud. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Elon Musk sometimes needs to know shut his mouth. He talks too much. But I, yeah, I mean, I am a Tesla owner. <laughs> I adore my Tesla, but I do sometimes wish they had i don't know someone with an adult running the company yeah yeah one of those (laughs) and you know another point too um if you see an eight percent drop in apple stock to me that's a buying opportunity yeah that's certainly yeah that's uh there was some advice to that extent came out recently wasn't there um a whole bunch of tech stocks were down briefly and the advice i heard was like oh great buy this is the market's overreacting yoink yeah, I bought I bought more Tesla stock when it was below I think I set a buy order in and it bought at seven twenty and it shot all the way back up to like eight sixty the other day. I think it's down forty bucks or so today, but 
I mean, that was like easy money. It was only down that far for like one day. And I saw a $100, $140 swing in the stock value in a single day just because the market overreacted. I will say the – yeah, the, the image uh, in the article, the image you sent of this 3D – I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I love what Apple did with the. It's like the card view you get yeah. with your browser tabs. It, to me, it just makes perfect sense to lay it out that way, and it, I think they've done a fantastic job because you can scroll through. But th- that's the one that I think could hurt if they actually did. We went in, we demonstrated, we showed it to you in what I think it was oh seven. Um, that's the that's the one I think uh, that could I could understand why someone would say that was our tech you you just stole it once we showed it to you. And remember the bouncy bouncy thing at the top of scroll bars is what Apple what won Apple's case against Samsung. So oh yeah, uh, you know it, it, the simple software things can actually win you cases. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, moving on to HR and acquisition news, Apple have bought a company called AI Music. They're a UK company. And they have AI that takes as an input royalty-free music and produces as an output custom music designed to respond to something that it's measuring. So it could be your heart rate to give you appropriately paced music for while you're running, or it could be some other metric of something else, and it will tweak the music in line with the metric. And it's all based on, you know, basically royalty-free music in the first place. So obviously people are thinking, ooh, some sort of custom radio stations are coming Apple Music's way. Hypothetically, or it was just an aqua hire. But either way, Apple have bought the company, so they have the tech and the people. Um, And then the rest of the HR news is really all about the issues around keeping workers. So Apple themselves have been suffering a bit with the hashtag uh, Apple2 movement, which we'll talk about in one of our main stories. Uh, But the whole of the United States is struggling a bit with getting people to take particularly retail jobs. So Apple are are improving their employee benefits, basically better sick pay arrangements for all employees and actual vacation days for part-time workers, which they didn't have before. Um, There's also a raise coming to uh, Apple Store employees. And uh, there is also talk of Apple Store employees fighting to unionize. Um, So they're getting together signatures and stuff to to do a unionizing thingy. I think you have to have a ballot or something in the United States. It's it's quite confusing to us foreigners, but uh, that is apparently underway. Um, Unless anyone feels particularly strongly about any of those, I'm going to move us along. Um, But, you know, if this is actually important, feel free to jump in. I'll just throw in that, you know, I don't think this is Apple news. This is news. every company, every company that I know of from the local chain restaurants right up to Fortune 500 companies. They're having to they're having to do things they've never done before in 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 wages, in vacation time, in, in flexible work schedules, in work from home, because people got a different perspective during the pandemic and they found out they liked it. And, you know, I think one of the ways to get people back is to throw money at them, of course. But, you know, there are a lot of companies that are having to do things that they probably would rather not do. But it's what the employees, especially, I'm I'm sorry if I'm characterizing a particular group, say that right now, but especially millennials. The millennials don't seem to value the the, the dollars as much as they do the time off and the the flexibility. I must be a millennial so because to me it's all about the conditions. I want a job that gives me a work-life balance. 
Right. Well, and that's and that's it, Bart. You know, and that's why I say I, I don't mean to characterize because that seems to be based on my personal experience. I've seen that um, plenty of times. But at the end of the day, it, it it could be you, it could be me. You know, it could be any age, any age, and any income level. That if if money is not your top priority, well, there's some other things that that can be, and you will gravitate to an employer who will give you those things. Yeah, I would. Agree. Agree with you 100% on that, Chuck. I think you, you said it well. For for me, I think I now work for a European company, and uh, there is a remarkable difference between working for a U.S. and a European company. And uh, the work-life balance, the it, it's 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 refreshing. And I I I I'd almost implore at any person based in the U.S. work for a European company at least once during your professional career because it is. Uh, it, at least they, they, they in Europe they have the work life balance concept down right because in the U.S. you just work yourself to the bones you 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 live to work versus work to live and I think millennials maybe they have that where it's like look I don't want to I've watched my parents I've watched what they've done and I don't want that I would rather be barefoot bartending in the Caribbean and enjoying life and when I don't need to work anymore I'll tour and travel for a little while. Well, we sort of see the opposite of that here, right? Because I'm obviously in Europe. <laughs> but no, no, but we have like in Ireland, I'm, I'm in Ireland, Silicon Valley here, right? Just up the road from me, we have Intel. We used to have HP till they went bust. Uh, we have Oracle, we have Microsoft. We have all these people all within spitting distance of where I'm sitting now. And people will say to you, oh yeah, working for those American companies, the money's great, but... And the but is always, they will ring you at 11 o'clock at night. They will ring you at five o'clock in the morning. They will expect you to take meetings at all sorts of stupid hours. And it's like, I'm happy to do this for a decade, but then I'm done. Uh, and it's, yep. it doesn't surprise me at all that in America, you'd have the opposite sort of like, oh, those Europeans, they're onto something. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have proactively chosen because I, I live within spitting distance of all the high tech companies. I could, I could double my salary tomorrow, but I would lose my life. I just couldn't be bothered. It's like, no, I'm sorry. I've, I, I value my life. I am happy to take half the money. And at five o'clock, well, at half past five, when I close the office door, everything can wait until nine o'clock tomorrow. And that, that is invaluable to me. I cannot agree with you more. There you go. Everybody makes their own choice. Exactly. And it, ultimately, it's all payment, right? Do you want to be paid in money or in time? Okay, <laughs> I'm going to jump us <laughs> both. Yeah, okay. well, I, I, I heard offering. that, Rod. I heard that. <laughs> Did you hear it, Bart? Um, I'm going to jump us on to services and original content highlights. Um, just to say, Apple Music, their free trial has been cut back to just a month, so it must be doing pretty well. Kanye West is just being weird. So there was this whole big thing about launching his new album on Apple Music with a live event, and then it was cancelled, then it happened, and then it was all weird. And now he's launching the album, but not on Apple Music because they're evil. But he said you have to go and sign up to his custom service, and apparently he turned down a great big contract with Apple. Apparently it's big news, so I thought I'd mention it. I don't care. Um, I'm much more interested in the fact that the Beatles 1 album has just gotten the special audio treatment. That's way more appealing to me, but what do I know? Anyone feel they're particularly noteworthy or shall I move us on to Apple TV Plus? Let's get Apple TV. Yeah, so I started the year by saying I'm not going to talk about nominations anymore. I'm fed up of talking about nominations and the universe just mocks me every time because my first story here is Apple gets six nominations 
for the Oscars. It's like, gosh darn it, they're the actually only nominations of the whole year that matter. So Coda and Tragedy of Macbeth have both gotten uh, nominations for the Oscars. Uh, Coda for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, which is Troy Kotzer, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And then Tragedy of Macbeth has gotten nominations for Best Lead Actor, which is Denzel Washington, Best Cinematography, and Best Production Design. Uh, and in a, I'm sure, quite related story, uh, Coda is coming back to select cinemas free of charge in the United States and actually in London as well, I believe. So that's uh, an interesting way to celebrate those nominations. Um, and then being done with nominating, uh, Apple won for SAG Awards. So I'm, I'm back to being on topic here and not doing nominations. So uh, Apple got four SAG Awards, which is the Screen Actors Guild. Um they were split between Coda, again, and Ted Lasso, again. So Coda for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture and outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role, which is Troy Kotzer again. And then Ted Lasso, outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series, which is a good way to describe the wonderful cast there. And outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series for Jason Sudeikis, the uh, pseudonymous character that the show is named after. Uh, there's also a uh, DuPont Columbia Award for the Line podcast, um, and the new thriller Severance has snuck into the streaming charts. So, Apple seems to be doing well on their content. Any anyone, any of those jump out at anyone? I, I think it's probably more of a collection of all of them, which for me, which would jump out. And uh, I mean, we all talked about cutting the cord. At least I, I know I. I severed the tie with my cable company and the fact that you're able to get high quality content exclusive to whether it be, uh, you know, um, Apple TV or Netflix or Amazon. Um, I think they're challenging, uh, I guess the, we'll call them the big boys, like the big studios that we're always used to. And it's making it easier for people to cut the cord. Cause there wasn't a single show that you, that you listed here that I haven't had someone say, you need to go watch this. You need to go watch this show. And and most of the shows that at least in my circles that I constantly hear about aren't on, you know, the mainstream uh, channels that they're on Netflix, they're on Amazon, they're on Apple TV. So to me, that's a and the fact that they're getting recognition will only drive more people to watching on the platforms. I, and Rod, I, I think you said, it well, it's just it's all of them. I mean, Apple has built a really solid base of some really great programming. Not all of these programs are ones that I've consumed um, or, or, or are even interested in. But what I think is really interesting is that there are a number of things. Maybe they're not winning awards because very few things that I like usually do. Um, but, but, you I know, know that feeling, Chuck. Yeah, but there's something there for me. There's something there for Bart. So, you know, there's something there for you. There's obviously something there for people with different tastes. And for an organization that is really focused on original content as opposed to buying up back catalogs you know that that everybody wanted apple to buy back catalogs because that's where the subscribers were and i think they're proving them wrong as usual apple is playing a much longer game than anyone else and they're building this solid foundation i'm just kind of anxious to see what they do next yeah yeah i mean you know the, the they, 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 everything they're making is high quality the question is is it in a genre you like 
because the Lincoln, the four-part Lincoln documentary that uh, dropped this month, um, I watched that over the last week, and that was absolutely superb. I, it's not going to be, it's not going to be talked about around the water cooler and work like Ted Lasso is. But hey, I like it, and it's it's really high quality. And I would assume it's the same if you're into drama. I, I believe C and some of these shows are fantastic. I just, I, they're just not my cup of tea. But I've, I haven't heard anyone say. I've heard people say, "Oh, that's not my cup of tea," but I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, that was cheap. That 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 was poorly made. That, that, that you know, that was terrible quality." I've never heard that about an Apple show. Yep, agree. Uh, and then two other smaller stories in terms of services. There is a new book club, George Strombolopoulos. That's a lot of syllables, and I'm sure I got some of those wrong. My apologies to George. And uh, our Canadian friends can have local news coverage via Apple News if they are so inclined. Right, let us jump into our main stories. We have three of them uh, this uh, month, but, you know, it's not the biggest number, but they're not small stories in some ways. So uh, the first of our stories is we need to revisit the AirTag. We talked about it in great detail last month, and then a few days after I published the show, Apple went and made some more news, so we definitely should revisit then there is the uh, unfortunate fact that Europe is at war, um, which is, it, 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 it's taken a bit of getting used to that a metropolitan, cosmopolitan European city can be invaded, but that is a true fact. Um, so we need to talk about how that affects the Apple universe. That's our second main story. And then the third main story is one that I think is worth talking about. We're recording this on March 3rd. It's now 10 minutes past midnight, so technically speaking, it's March 4th. So this show is not going to be in your ears until, well, probably after Apple shareholder meeting happens. But I still think we should talk about it because I think it's worth previewing what is on the agenda. And then next month we can touch base on how the votes went. So that will be our third story. Some um, Rocky, I don't know. Anyway, there's some. It seems a little more controversial than normal. The shareholder meeting. So that's a, that's our third of three stories. So with all that said, let us revisit the world of AirTags. So main story number one is the AirTag again. So we talked a lot last time about you know actually the reason the AirTag is getting so much press is because a you know putting Apple in a headline sells the headline and b. Apple have privacy protections that work. So while other people's trackers are successfully tracking people, no one knows about it. So it's not media worthy. Apple have protections in place that work. Therefore, people know they're being tracked and therefore Apple are the big evil bad guy, Um, which is obviously silly. Um, But obviously, we also said um, that, you know, they could there are things they could do to improve things. And it would appear that Cupertino agreed that there are things they could do to improve things. So a few days after we published the last show, Apple made a fairly substantial press release outlining some of their improvements that are on the way. So they broke them down into two categories, stuff happening soon and stuff happening this year. So in terms of the stuff happening soon, um, when you set up an AirTag, you're going to get an explicit privacy warning where Apple basically say, Oi! This is for tracking your stuff and not other people, and it is probably a crime to track other people. They also remind people that we know who you are, and we will tell the police when presented with an appropriate warrant. Um, And there's no change in their policy here. This is just a case of making it very clear up front that, hey, you're signed in with your Apple ID, and we will share this. 
And then they're also improving the messaging you get on your phone when a, when a tracker is detected moving with you. Um, the Find My Network is bigger than just the AirTag. And unfortunately, some of the devices on that network were coming up in the notifications as unknown item, which sounds quite disturbing. Unknown item moving with you and you go looking for an AirTag and can't find one. Well, it turns out that unknown item was most often AirPods. And it's not at all unusual for your kids' AirPods to be in the back of the car and moving with you, or your kids' friends' AirPods to be in the back of the car moving with you. And so if you're getting these notifications and you're tearing your car apart looking for an AirTag when actually you should be looking for headphones, you can see how that would cause trouble. So they're going to improve the message so it actually says AirPods when it should say AirPods, etc. And then they're also going to improve the support documentation, and that's all happening in the near term. In the longer term, they're going to allow us to precision find a tracker that's following us that's not ours. So at the moment, you can only precision find your own tracker. So this, I think, is a very substantial improvement because then when you get that notification, you won't be wondering what is it. Your phone will literally have an arrow on the screen and it will point you to the mystery device. Um, they're also going to make a dis- an alert come up on your phone in conjunction with the physical sound the device makes after it's been away from its owner for a while. They're going to continue to tweak the algorithms and they're not telling us how, which is probably the right thing to do in a cat and mouse game. And then they're going to do a bit of sound engineering to make the noise noisier, or rather to make the noise more perceptible. And they packaged all that up together in a press release, which is linked in the show notes. So there was a lot to, that was a lot of, me talking there um i'll just sum it up and say these are all good changes thank you apple anyone feel they want to contribute to that i th- i think air tags are an unintended consequence uh or the use case that people have to track others are unintended i i it's similar to uh samsung has a feature on their phone now that um it's offline location so if someone stole your phone and they turn uh why like wi-fi and cellular off mm-hmm. you can use other samsung phones to triangulate it to find it it's like an air tag right that's <laughs> very like an air tag yeah yeah so the only concern i have is that if i if for, for example bart if i knew that you were an android user i could drop an air tag in your bag your phone's never going to tell you that but all i'm trusting is that you're going to be around other iphones so i can always track bart not because of what your phone is pinging and let me know, but what all the other phones that you will be moving through and moving around will ping and let me know. So Do, do bear in mind, though, that once that tracker is, is away from you, it will start to make an audible noise. And it doesn't matter that's what why people kind of tape phone them, right? I use. Hmm? That's why people tape them, right? They tape so that you can't hear the sound. Well, actually, no, what, what is now emerging is a black market where people open them up, literally sabotage the, the speaker, <laughs> close them up again, and then sell them for more on Etsy. Although Etsy did take the listings down, but I am sure if you are, um, you know, resourceful enough, you will find them on uh, the yeah. Internet. Yeah. It's a shame because when AirTags came out, I bought them because I thought they were great. I said, if we're traveling with they the are. kids, put them on their bags. If you forget something, I can find it. They work. Uh, I, I have 12 of them and I am extremely happy with them. And they have they have massively reduced stress in this household uh, because one of us, who is not me, doesn't believe in the concept of a place for everything and everything in its place and <laughs> does often need to find their keys in a hurry as we're leaving the house. And now we could just literally be pointed straight at them. Oh, look, there they are. You know, <laughs> panic averted. The, the beautiful thing about a Tesla, no keys. 
Um, you know, that's the thing. These work, they work so well. And I think Apple needs to be congratulated for addressing or, or trying to address, you know, as many of the objections as are out there. But at the same time, you know, there's there's that crossover point where, okay, we can protect we can protect you from these by making them less functional. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 the classic discussion about privacy and security. You know, I can weld my front door shut if I want, and I'm going to be a lot more secure, but I also won't be able to get in and out of my front door. And that's that's kind of where I see the, the AirTag thing. You know, they, they function well, and they're getting all this press because they're being used by bad people for bad purposes um, because they work. And so, you know, it's it's like you know, the sharpest knife in your kitchen, or, you know, I could get a little more controversial and say a gun, um, or, you know, just about any other thing that you can think of that can be used for a bad purpose. You know, it just, if if you're a bad guy, you're going to want the best you can get. So you're going to buy the thing that works the best. If you're a good guy like Bart, you're going to buy the thing that works the best because that that's what you want. So Apple is doing their best to try to do this. Rod, I hear what you say about Android. If I remember remember correctly, though, they brought out an app that is the obviously the Android user had to to download and turn on, but I think it was going to um, detect air air tags if it was following you. Uh, the official right? Apple one you have to proactively scan. There's a third party one that will scan in the background. Okay, so somebody came up with that solution. And Apple, I, I, I've, I'm not an Apple apologist. I, I've, I'm accused of that often, but Apple doesn't control the Android operating system, so they can't build it in. If right. Android opts to build it in because it's an issue, then great. That's their responsibility. I don't think but Apple, Apple has built released it. an API, though. So I, I, think, I think Apple, I think you can realistically say that Apple should meet Google halfway and publish an API, like publish a, a public spec. And then obviously it's Google's responsibility to choose whether or not they want to implement that spec. I, I do think it's kind of a halfway house there. I think there's room for both. And I, I do think there's only so far you can go because honestly, the only thing about the AirPod is it's convenient because it's super small battery lasts forever. If, if But if you want to track somebody, you could just take your cell phone and throw it in their bag and then you find my iPhone, right? And well, you could, it's just too big, right? It's well, okay, so here's the interesting thing. So something which we said last time, which I certainly have been saying all along, is that, you know, there have been trackers before there were AirTags, and there will continue to be other trackers, and the other trackers have zero privacy protections built in. And so the New York Times uh, reporter, Kashmir uh, Hill, decided to illustrate the point. With her husband's consent, she placed trackers on him without him knowing where they were exactly, and just to see what would happen. So basically stalking with permission. And the bottom line is that all the other trackers are way worse than AirTags when it comes to stalking protections. Some of them are also way worse when it comes to actually tracking. So you're like the worst of both worlds, not good at tracking and no stalking protections. Uh, But the GPS-based one was dead accurate and 100% silent. It didn't make a noise. It didn't make a notification. It didn't do anything. And they have been around long before AirTags. So by Apple releasing a product with protections from day one, they don't deserve to be shouted at. They deserve to be praised for doing it right from day one. And, you know, it's nice to see the New York Times backing that up with some actual tests. 
I wish there would be more articles about people who recover lost items versus the, the and I, I don't want to make light of someone who's tracking and, you know, like, uh, you know, um, an abusive spouse who is tracking their spouse, um, to continue to abuse or threaten them. Right. I, I don't want to make light of that, but I, I think there's probably a lot of positive that have happened with air tags that just isn't highlighted enough. But Rod, the, the angle to me, every time I read one of those stories, the first thing I'm looking for is how do we know this happened? And the answer is always, my phone told me. I heard the beep. And what I read from those stories is there are bad people on planet Earth, shock and or horror, and this technology worked. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Um, a, yeah, I'm going to move us on. Um, so, second main story. Since last we spoke, Russia has invaded Ukraine. Like, there's the, that... To, you know, in Russia, it's illegal to say that, but here on planet Earth, it's as plain as the nose on my face that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Um, this is not a political show. This is not a new... Well, it is a new show, but it's a very specific subset of news. So I do not wish to in any way make light of all of the horrific effects of this invasion on things like grain prices, oil prices, the lives of millions of my fellow Europeans. But this is an Apple News show, and it is also true that this this war affects everyone and everything, and that includes the universe of Apple. Um, so in terms of Apple HQ, um, Apple have offered humanitarian support to their employees in Ukraine and their Ukrainian employees anywhere on planet Earth. Uh, they have also stopped Apple Pay transactions in Russia. Um, Ukraine asked that Apple stop selling stuff, and then Apple did indeed stop selling stuff. They stopped selling iPhones and iPads and Macs. They uh, removed um, RT and Sputnik from the app stores outside of Russia. And then actually, uh, one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting is that a little poke in the eye, uh, the news broke actually just today, uh, they have renamed uh, Crimea as being part of Ukraine on Apple Maps. They had caved into Russian demands, but since Russia's gone and, you know, made themselves persona non grata on planet Earth, Apple are like, yeah, whatever, Crimea is still part of Ukraine, neener, 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 and... It's it's obviously not actually part of Ukraine anymore on the ground, but I, I still kind of like that. It's like, you know, two fingers to you, Vlad. Um, we also then had the effect of, um, because Apple stopped selling stuff into Russia, obviously the prices in Russia went through the roof. So one of Russia's biggest uh, resellers actually closed and then reopened again, but the prices are all 50% higher. Um, and, um, yeah, prices are skyrocketing and Tim Cook wrote a letter to employees basically outlining all the stories I've just covered here. Um, I also then want to reference, um, an article on Tidbits, um, highlighting the fact that one of the features of the modern Ukraine, so Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, but it broke away and became an independent country and it was very Western looking and very much embraced the modern world and so encouraged technology companies to set up in the in Ukraine and there are actually some very major apple developers who i am sure we have all heard of who are in fact ukrainian companies and i would say top of the list is macpaw 
who do a little thing called Setup you might have heard of. They also do Clean My Mac X, Gemini and other apps. There's also Beelight Software who do Live Home 3D, Swift Publisher and uh, other apps too. Readl is another really big company you may have heard of, PDF Expert, Spark and some other apps. And then also CS Odessa who do Concept Draw. So that is that is a big part of our community that is caught up in all this. And rather amazingly to me, those companies are like reassuring customers that they're not going to let this invasion stop them providing amazing customer service, which is just astonishing to me that they're thinking about that. Um, hats off to them. So Riedel, MacPaw and, um, and others have actually... Um, Basically, he's saying, look, we're going to keep supporting our apps, you know, and also some requests for help, uh, which, again, is very sensible. So those are the facts as they currently stand at midnight-ish on the 4th of March. Goodness knows what will be true by the 5th of March, the 6th of March, the 31st of March. Um, I, I think I've sort of said what I have to say, and I think it's pretty obvious that I'm... I'm again it, um, and I I feel very much for my fellow Europeans going through hell. Um, I don't know what I I think. I guess Apple appear to be doing the right thing. So thank you. I guess is the other thing to say. Um, would anyone else like to chime in? I think you hit it well. They're doing. They're they're doing everything right on all fronts. So, uh, and I think it's war sucks. It really does. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've I know I personally know people from Riedel, from MacPaw, from um, right. let's see who else from Beelight. Um, you know, I've had them on the shows, but I've I've met them at MacWorlds in different places, and it you know it's a real punch in the gut to think about you know those people that I have a great deal of affection for and you know, in a bomb shelter somewhere, you know, or worse. Yeah. It, it just, it, it, it borderline doesn't seem real. Um, even though I know it's all too real. And it, you know, but about- surreal is the right word for Chuck, because I, I find it very hard to digest the fact that we have apartment buildings being shelled in Europe. Like yeah. that's supposed to be in the history books. That's not supposed to be on the news. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. It's, I mean, I, I really admire and respect the way you started this out by saying this is not a political show because the commentary all three of us are offering here is not political. You know, it just, it, it's, it's humanitarian. And that's arguably the biggest tragedy here is the humanitarian one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. And it, it is, it is, yeah. It, I actually find it quite difficult to, to, to discuss the story, but I do think it's important that we we talk about it. Um, Rod, do you do you want to contribute? You don't have to. Um, no, no, no. I, like story. I said, yeah, this is it's it's a hard one. I can't say that I know any of the developers here. Um, I, I do feel like I say um, not selling. So there's there's two sides of this. I think one of the biggest challenges you run into is that um, there are a lot of people, Russian citizens, who are against this. Um, and 
then you look on the other side is unfortunately there's a lot of people in the Ukraine who are subject to everything that the Russian government is doing in their environment, which is war. And like I say, war is a terrible thing. Um, I think the you know the fact that they're closing stores in Russia, opening back up 50 percent more with prices climbing 50 percent. Sometimes you have to ask or. I do think it's the right decision to say we're not going to we're going to close down our app store here. We're not going to ship any more products there. But it does have a, a side effect of, you know, people in the country being able to um, uh, take advantage of citizens due to uh, a created a shortage you've created. Um, but at the end of the day, I've I've listened to stories of people trying to get out of the Ukraine and. Uh, women and children can leave, but men are sent back uh, to fight the war, and it's uh, yeah. We this should be in the past. We shouldn't be dealing with this, and it's it's devastating. And the thing with economic sanctions, like you can you can target the most at you know the people you want to target, which is basically the the plutocrats, the the, the oligarchs who are supporting the regime. But it's impossible not to affect the ordinary citizen of Russia. And to some extent, that's kind of the point of sanctions, because what you're what you're aiming to achieve is pressure from home, from the home front on the government to stop doing the thing that you don't think they should be doing. So it's kind of a feature that Russian citizens yeah. are the victims of this. Yeah, it's it, it, and, but Which is the, uncomfortable. the question is how, yeah, how much... How many people, given the history of what's happened in Russia, how many do you, how many people do you think want to stand up and be the next political leader that gets assassinated for trying to stand up to, you know, in this environment? It's because I mean we we've seen it happen over the years, so it's yeah. it, it's I'm not I'm, I I don't disagree with what Apple's doing, and I do think it is sadly what you have to do, but. Um, I think there are people who are suffering on both sides, and then there's the, kind of the the one man in the middle who wants this war. Um, is the, this is unimpactful to me at all? Right, and I, I think that's a very important point. There are a lot of people in Russia who are against this war and who are even risking eight years in prison to go out and say so. And I, I heard today that there's a law being considered in the Russian parliament, and I use the term in the loosest possible sense of the word, uh, to increase that to 15 years for having the temerity to say that you're against the war. And in fact, the news agencies are not even allowed to call it a war. It is a special military operation, don't you know? So, you know, and there are also quite a few reports of soldiers basically surrendering at the drop of a hat going, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't want to be here. Yeah. So the, the you know the soldiers too are, are many of them are probably there very much against their will. But to go back to the sanctions part, I mean, I, that's short of picking up a gun or sending tanks or whatever and escalating the situation. I mean, that's that's as close to a nonviolent way as possible. Yes, that we can that we the rest of the world, not we, the U.S. or we, Ireland, or the rest of Europe, but we, the, we, the rest of the world, can try to, you know, show our displeasure and our disagreement. I mean, if if there was ever a time that, if you still believe that, uh, you know, there was colonialism and all, and, you know, you could you could isolate yourself uh, and, and be okay, this shows that, you know, it's not. I mean, there, Russia will have is having sanctions imposed on them, will have more sanctions imposed on them. And at what point 
do they say enough? You know, we we can't. I mean, we need somebody to buy our oil. We need somebody to buy our wheat. Um, you know, that that means the rest of us hurt a little bit, but it feels like it's worth it if we can stop some of what's going on or at least slow it down. Yep. Yeah, and Europe is going to suffer more here because I'm afraid we have been successfully tricked in the last decade into becoming dependent on Russian oil, on Russian gas. Like yeah. Europe runs on Russian gas and you guys don't because the gas runs through pipes and it's quite difficult to shove a pipe under the Atlantic. But it's quite easy right. to shove a pipe across the border into Germany. Um and we unfortunately have been tricked into becoming dependent on it. And stuff like Fukushima has been exploited, in fact. Um, Germany, basically after Fukushima, decided to close all their nuclear power plants. Well, what do they need now? Right, they need lots and lots of gas. And yeah. my home country of Belgium is in the same boat. They, they have aging nuclear power plants. There is no appetite in Belgium to build new nuclear power plants. So the government's official plan has been, oh, we'll just burn more gas. Okay, where is that coming from? So it is, as a European, sanctions are not something we're just doing, oh, because that's easy. Like the sanctions are hurting us, but so what? Because they're not only hurting us, they're also hurting Russia. So for us, it's it's probably more of a sacrifice to impose sanctions than I think a lot of people might think. It's very easy to say, oh yeah, we'll just impose sanctions and we'll wash our hands of it. But there's a little more to it than that. Yeah, there's a quote uh, from uh, Dante Alighieri that always comes to mind when you're looking at the sanctions you're doing. And I, again, I do agree with what Apple is doing and what many other companies are doing. It's, it's I think they say it says the, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in time of moral crisis preserve their neutrality. Apple is they're taking a stance. Wow. And that's what you need to do. You need to take if it, it's there's nothing worse than companies who just they're, they're looking at atrocities happen and they just want to remain neutral because we don't want to piss people off on this side. We don't want to piss people off on this side. So they don't do anything. And the fact that they're saying we may lose business because of our stance and we're fine with that. Um, uh, So I like the fact that they're not remaining neutral. Actually, and to underline that point, Switzerland, the masters of remaining neutral actually went and imposed sanctions on the Russians. Like that, that blew my mind. Like they didn't impose sanctions on the Nazis, the actual Nazis. What they have on the Russians, so that that's certainly progress, I guess. Yes. Okay. Well, I unless either of you to object, I'm going to move us on to our third story. Um, so we're going to wrap up with a preview of Apple's upcoming shareholder meeting, which is today, as we record this here in Ireland, tomorrow for you guys in the states. Um, it's an annual thing. Generally speaking, the way this works is the, uh, the basically Apple's board of directors get approved again. Uh, the compensation to Apple's executives get approved again. There are a bunch of activist shareholders who try to do n- insane things and they get voted down and then everyone goes home. But this time there's a few things on the on the docket to be voted on that I'm not sure are going to go quite as smoothly. So the first thing is that the Apple II movement is having an effect on the shareholders meeting uh, because the board of directors are being asked by one of the motions that has been allowed to con- to be put on the agenda, I guess, 
which mandates that the board of directors prepare a public report assessing the potential risk to the company associated with its use of concealment clauses in the context of harassment, discrimination and other unlawful acts, which is a very fancy pants lawyerly way of saying... We want the board of directors to prepare a report to tell us whether or not non-disclosure agreements are being used to shield the company from complaints of harassment, discrimination, etc. Because one of the big complaints from the Apple II movement is we tried to blow the whistle on harassment and we were literally fired for breaking NDAs. And that's interesting. And at the same time as that item is on the agenda for tomorrow... um, there are also eight U.S. state treasurers accusing Apple of abusing their NDAs to, to discriminate against workers, and they're asking the Securities and Exchange Commission to uh, expand protections. I didn't know this, but there is a relatively new law in California called the Silence No More Act, which uh, makes crippling NDAs illegal. I sort of thought Apple was in California, so that's sort of interesting that there actually is a local law there that may be relevant. Um, and then also. Simultaneously to all this, uh, Sher Scarlett, one of the very first people in the hashtag Apple II movement, is has made a fresh complaint that Apple have this strange practice where when you leave the company, they change your job title on the behind-the-scenes database the HR industry uses to associate, which is basically code word for dog's buddy. So as soon as you leave Apple, your title becomes associate. And so when you submit your resume to another company and they go to verify it on this HRDB, it comes up as being you're a liar because you said you were, you know, senior software engineer or whatever. And the database says you're an associate. And apparently, according to the HR experts I have been reading, this is not normal practice, but Apple do it. And she feels that it has literally cost her her new job. So I don't know how how people feel about that uh, shareholder proposal. Uh, <laughs> no, hey, I don't I know how you can disagree opinion. with it. Which one are you talking about, Bart? The uh, the first or the second? Well, I mean, the only shareholder the proposal story? is that they, the, the board draw up um, a report on whether or not they're using their NDAs to conceal harassment or discrimination. So that's what's actually being voted on. I, you know, I know I, I've played in this space just a little bit in my day job. Um, and so, you know, NDAs are, no, are nothing new. I haven't studied this that much because it doesn't affect me. I, I, you know, if I were to, I'd want to see the NDA and ask the question, is this NDA legal? Hmm. If it's legal, then you signed it and you have to abide by it. And if you don't, then there are only so many remedies that the, the company can take and, and whether it's Apple or anybody else. And one of those, the most likely one is termination, um, you know, or, or maybe further legal action. So, you know, that's that to me is the test. If this uh, silence no more act is now in has come into law, then the question becomes in my mind are is there any provision in there for anyone signing an NDA previously to be grandfathered into those terms or do the does that this law automatically nullify them? But at the end of the day, you know, it's as far as I know, nobody put a gun to anybody's head and you agreed to this. And so 
you know, I and by the way, just to be real clear, I am not endorsing any kind of workplace harassment, discrimination or anything else. That is not what I'm saying. I'm looking at it just purely through the legal lens. I guess the the legal principle is, you know, you can't actually sign a contract that takes away things, the, the rights that you should actually legally have. So you could argue that it's it's an abuse of NDAs to silence people who are saying that there's discrimination and harassment going on. But that is a, an argument as opposed to, a, you know, an open and shut case. So I think most of the laws we, many laws we have on the books are, I, I think, often to deal with companies that do things that uh, skate an ethical line or even cross it. If you leave an organ, if you were sexually harassed uh, uh, or it was uh, racial discrimination and they say, hey, look, all right, you got us. We definitely screwed up. We'll five million dollars. You can walk out the door, but you can never talk about this. You can never do this. You can never do that. Da, 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 da. It is legal. It is legal for them to put those things there. But yep. the the problem you get into is I don't think it's ethical. And I, I, I think asking for that transparency to say, look, you, you can't do what you're doing. It would be no different than saying a female who was gang raped in the office. We're going to pay you money, but you can never speak of what happened. But or we will drag this out in court for decades to come. Because we know that the it will not tarnish our reputation or it will take years and you probably don't want to go public. No one ever has to know about this. Keep your mouth shut. Here's your money. Uh, it, it, to me, it skates like this ethical line and that's the that's probably the bigger challenge I deal with it. I, I, I think it's fair to say, hey, we want, we want you to at least disclose if you're, if you're doing this because ethically it's the wrong thing to do. Well, you, I, I guess power imbalance is, is, is an argument yeah. that comes in here somewhere in the moral sense because obviously there's no law against that. Right. Right. But, Ron, I, I take you back to a much earlier part of the conversation about a completely different topic. Um, in the case of the company, you know, if 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 I'm going to hand somebody $5 million, I want something back for it. I want They're going to get something they want. I want something I want. And that is the inability of that person to go out and continue to, you know, wave the flag against me. And so, you know, here here we go again. You don't have to take the $5 million. Okay, just, just for clarity here, right, this is not NDAs in terms of settlements. This is your standard NDA for working in Apple. So what happened here oh, is that right. people like, um, like Sher Scarlett were Apple employees, and as being part of an Apple employee, you sign an NDA because you can't just go around saying, oh, yeah, Apple are working on an iPhone. Right, especially you know, you, you, that's part of the Apple are a secretive company. That is that is their business model, right? That that would they can't make biz, they can't make money like they do if everyone just talked about everything. So that's their normal NDA. The issue here is that when the hashtag Apple Two movement came out, they weren't revealing trade secrets. They were basically saying Apple has a culture problem, and then the NDA that's supposed to be about protecting you know the world from knowing about the iPhone before Apple are ready was used to fire her. And that's what has the shareholders cranky. And that's what yeah. this is about, which is slightly different to those kind of legal settlements where we've admitted so we did something wrong. Now take the money and go home. Yeah, I think that's more of a, an, you wrote an overly broad NDA and you're abusing, you're abusing the intended purpose. It's, it would be equivalent to saying, hey, look, we're going to do this transaction. You'll never really talk about it. Uh or you won't talk about anything that happens in the Apple workplace because we don't want you to disclose trade secrets, da, 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 or other. Because we, we, there might be some other things we don't want you to disclose. We don't know if they are. 
But now we're going to take other and say, well, that applies to workplace harassment. It applies to this. It applies to that. Yeah, it's it's to me, it, it's again, it's like that, that line around. Is it legal? Well, kind of, but it's unethical. So and- I, 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 I have no issue with people voting to say, look, we want you to be a bit more transparent on if you're abusing the NDA um, to some extent um, to hush people. I think it's interesting that it's shareholders because the obvious argument against any of this would be, will Apple have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders? But if it's the shareholders telling you that they want you to do it, well, then you'd now have a new fiduciary duty to do what your shareholders are telling you, which is an interesting approach to these things, right? So that's sort of why it caught my my eye as a as a as a an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and it seems that shareholders like to jump on bandwagons as they go hooshing past. So there is also a shareholder motion looking for a transparency report on app removals from the App Store. And being as interested as I am in the whole App Store question, I would love to see this one go through because I want to see more of how Apple decide. And I want to see more about what Apple decides. So the idea of a transparency report is that like they report, you know, we've done so many police takedowns, et cetera, et cetera. They would have to report we have ejected so many apps for these reasons. You know, as the host of a monthly Apple show, I would love this motion to pass. Um, I'm not entirely sure it will, but, uh, you know, that is, you know, is a hot topic and that is a way of addressing it in the shareholder meeting. Um. I don't know if anyone wants to jump in on that based on our earlier conversation or have we done the app stores to death? No, I think I think developers would love to have access to that information because if you think you're doing something that might be skirting the line, it, it's no different than uh, you slow down your driving where you know police happen to be all the time. So – or you change your behavior. You, it's about changing your behavior when you know you could get busted or caught. So to me, having some transparency about why apps are getting kicked out of the app store might tell developers like, oh, well, we're out. We're, we don't follow these certain guidelines. We, get, we need to make those adjustments to our app so we don't get kicked out of the store. I, I think it can be used both as a, a carrot and a stick. But certainly uh, that's intent- well. Sorry, Joe. Uh, well, no, right, Brad, I think that's very well said because I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what – I can see obviously why developers and certainly all of us as commentators would love to have this so we could have something else to argue every month. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> facts. Facts. Facts are good. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm, I would need to study this problem a little more. Is there a, is there a competitive reason not to disclose this information? Right at the moment, I can't think of one, but I, I would want to say, okay, why have I not been doing this before? The only the only thing I could possibly come up with, and this is seat of the pants, so shoot me down if you think I'm wrong. But if by refusing to put Rod's app in the App Store, and my reason is, and and I had, uh, am I am I am I opening myself to legal action from Rod because I decide I didn't want to put his. His flashlight app was, which is number three thousand seven hundred and fifty-five on the flashlight app list, you know, in the store. So, you know, I that's the only thing I can think of, and and I, other than that, you know, I just would want to know what what is Apple giving up on this score if they were to enact this uh, this transparency action. I think it would be more work for them to do the reporting is is obviously one thing they're giving up. And they do at the moment have a safety net of the fact that we don't know how 
we don't know quite how capricious they are around being because it's very difficult to have a large team of people interpreting, you know, words which are always wishy-washy in a consistent way. That's hard, right? It's actually very hard to be to be even-handed. And if you agree to publish about it, then you, you've now basically forced yourself to do an even better job of being even-handed because otherwise you're going to get yourself in trouble in your own report. One of my big concerns from day one has been the capriciousness that has sometimes emerged in Apple's App Store removals and how it sometimes becomes about who you know and how big of a stink you can make on Twitter. And that that rubs me up the wrong way because that's not a fair, that's not a level playing field. And so I'm kind of keen on this report because I think it helps keep Apple honest in their privileged position of being the gatekeepers here. And so I want them to to feel the pressure as much as possible so that I can be confident that they're gardening the walled garden well and fairly. So I guess that's my take. Um, I don't know if that's outlandish, but I guess that is how I how I think about it. No, I think you you hit it right. It's we've we've all seen special treatment because of who you are. Uh, I think we just I, I don't know if you guys will track Rivian, but they made this radical change to their 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 pricing model. And there was a massive uproar. People were canceling. It lasted 24 hours before they said anybody who was pre-ordered before this date when we decided to make the price change, your grandfather then act like we never said this. <laughs> but it, it's it just goes to show that with enough noise, companies can change course. And I, I don't think this is about a noise thing. I, I, I do look at if I were a vendor writing for the app store, knowing like, you know, these are the areas Apple focused on, even if there were like five big, like saying, look, look, we remove apps for many reasons over the last quarter. Here are the five big reasons why apps have been removed from the app store. Perfect. Like as a developer, I can look, say, look, just don't skirt these lines. And if if they have like a moving theme that goes over, you'd probably see very consistency quarter over quarter, year over year. Hmm. So just stay more in line with the policy, because I think sometimes if apps are getting removed, usually what you hear about some small app vendors is they make the adjustments to their app and they're right back in the store. Um, And they would have probably said I would have done anything to avoid that first kick out of the app store because we lost revenue. It takes like, work to write an app. That's not, I mean, you yeah. know that, Rod, um, being in the software industry, and I know that being in IT. And something that, that's always worried me from the start is that the first mo- the first inkling you get that you have read Apple's rules differently to how Apple read them is at the end of all of that work. So you've spent six months writing an app. There's only one place you can possibly publish it because it's a, you know, there is only one store on iOS, it's the App Store. And if Apple have a different interpretation of the rules than you do, all of that work is for naught. And something I have wished for since day one of the App Store is an ability to do an approval in principle, where you could submit to the App Store, here is my idea. Hmm. Is this idea, assuming I implemented correctly, viable? And then you know that the worst case scenario is I have to tweak my app, as opposed to my app, my whole idea is wrong. Just Allow me, I would pay Apple, you know, a fee to get an in principle, you know, this, the principle is fine. Like I would actually pay for that if I was a developer. And I mean, I do write code. I have never written an app for the app store because I am absolutely terrified of wasting my time. I do like that idea of being able to do that. But I I also know from the other side of being a software developer, you usually 
don't want to tell people your ideas because you might have a 3D dimensional and two space idea that gets taken. No, I just, yeah, that is I fair. Just, Given everything else we've talked about today, that is an absolutely fair comment. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but you're you're absolutely right. That is a legitimate concern. Yeah. For a small nice. shop, yeah, for a small shop developer, the biggest concern you have is Apple has way more developers than you have. And if you have a really good idea, it's like, yeah, we can bake that into one of the many apps or we can have a new app that just does your little feature. So I do – but I do think the idea of being able to get some level of clarity if you have areas that you're like – I $99 a year, they're not going to take a call from you to ask for a clarification around uh, certain parts of uh, uh, the developer terms and conditions and rules. Yeah, it's exactly, which is why it. I think it's perfectly reasonable to have a fee, right? Even the Freedom of Information Act has a fee. Right. You can't yeah. just, you know, it's quite normal to have a fee when you're asking someone to do something for you. So I would be perfectly happy to pay, but it doesn't exist as a possibility, right? The, the only thing you can get is a, is a no. There's no upfront way <laughs> to get a yes, right? Anyway. Right. Uh, and then the last one I just want to mention here, because we talked last month, one of our short stories was Tim Cook's rather impressive pay packet. Apparently, a lot of the shareholders think it's a little bit too impressive. Um, and there's actually a motion to vote down the approval of Tim Cook's pay packet, which I was assuming it would just be, you know, some cranks. But uh, Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund have pledged to vote down the uh, pay proposal for Tim Cook and the rest of the Apple executives, which is certainly a substantial uh, shareholder. He's going to be voting no. I don't know if they're going to have a majority, but I was like, oh, okay, they're real. So I say more for note, really, since we talked about it last month. Any final yeah, thoughts? Just, this one, this one just bothers me a lot. You know, I feel I like. It you, 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 <laughs> thanks, Mark. Um, you know, it. it I, I just okay. Norway, fine. You know, but uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping Berkshire Hathaway comes in and just blows them away, um, and votes you know for it because I just don't. You've asked a man to do a job, and he's done an amazing job. He's done a job that nobody else has done before. He's a, he's taken his company the company he leads, I should say, to a trillion-dollar valuation, uh, you know, up and down, but, you know, it's right there. And so how can you say that by any measure that he has failed in his objective? And you offered him a, a bonus, you offered him a reward, and, man, to me, he has gone above and beyond the, the, the target that was set. And now somebody, sort of like my example earlier about the car salesman, is saying, you know, that's just a little too much. You know, uh-uh. no. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I didn't look at Tim Cook's pay packet last month and think, oh, that's outlandish. How could the man have earned that? I'm thinking, actually, no, he's done a pretty good job. And given that it was in, you know, performance-related bonuses and performance-dependent stock options, I'm thinking, well, isn't that how it's supposed to be? That, you know, if you meet these targets, you will get this much money. Oh, look, you met the targets. Have your money. Yeah, right. and if you yeah, make the targets higher, if you don't trust it, I mean, it's no different than people thought Elon Musk would never hit his targets. And it's like now it's like he's getting paid too much. It's we set the targets years ago. We've yeah. gone through the gates. I, yeah, if you, being, again, I just look at Apple stock and what they're doing. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, being a pinko coming, I think you should pay massive amounts of tax on his stupendous income. But that's completely separate from the fact that he has every right to earn a stupendous income. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. What is that? Is that about uh, two and a half days worth of um, Dutch uh, penalty? 
<laughs> you know, it's he's paid a lot. He's paid way more than the entire because the Dutch is capped at five million euro. Sorry, fifty million euro, which is a lot less than I think his entire pay packet comes to more than that. So I think basically Tim, just Tim Cook's salary would cover the Dutch bill and have like plenty to spare. You could just pay it out of chump change. Yeah, like you say, you know. It really is chump change. Okay, uh, well, that draws a line under our three main stories. Just a few quick stories to round us out. Um, Apple have launched another entrepreneur camp. Their previous ones were focused on uh, black founders and female founders. Now we have one for Latin founders. Apple have announced uh, that iPhones will soon accept tap-to-pay payments without needing a dongle. Uh, there is one very obvious per, uh, company that has joined the beta program. That would be Stripe. So I think a lot of small merchants are looking forward to not having to have those wee dongles. Um, Siri is getting a new voice in the upcoming iOS 15.4. It is a gender-neutral American voice, uh, which has been recorded by a member of the LGBTQ community. It is available in the betas at the moment as the wonderfully named Voice 5, if anyone wants to give it a go. Um, there is a rather cool, I mean, I don't even like basketball. I think the B is for basketball. Anyway, uh, the NBA have teamed with power, with Beats to produce a pair of Power Beats in a very pretty blue, white and red with the NBA logos to celebrate the 75th anniversary of said National Basketball Association, I think. I'm making that up as I go along. I hope I'm right, Chuck. Or, um, yeah. In fact, either American. Um, it's the dumb European is going to get that wrong, right? <laughs> but I think I'm right. Uh, and I guess in related news, I needed somewhere to hang this in the show notes. Um, in America, Apple and Beats together basically have half of the headphone market. So, you know, when people were like, yeah, yeah, those wearables Apple's getting into, that's not that's not a big deal. Yeah, half the market. That's a big deal. Um, we uh, speaking of responsibility reports, um, as the shareholders are asking for a few of, um, Apple have removed 12 suppliers from their supply chain because they have a responsibility report and they found some of their companies were in breach and they removed them. So that to me is transparency reports working as they should. Uh, Apple have also opened their first all-female developer academy in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. Um, Apple are now allowing uh, some, or have now added estimated prices for some repairs into their uh, iOS uh, Apple support app, which is an app that continues to improve, actually. Um, I'm kind of impressed at the trajectory that app is on. Uh, And Apple are also offering uh, Face ID repairs without having to have your whole iPhone replaced, which is how it works at the moment. So that's good that that's being made available as a part repair. And then finally, uh, keep the date. So as we record, it is, it is four days from the next Apple keynote, which has been titled rather enigmatically Peak Performance, where it's peak not as in the peak of a mountain, but peak as in have a look at a thing. So all sorts of speculation about what it is we'll be peaking at and how it will be performing. But whatever it is, by the next time we speak to each other, uh, we will know and we will talk all about it in the March show of Let's Talk Apple. Folks, it is now two minutes to one in the morning, so I am going to draw myself a line under this podcast episode. Uh, You guys have the advantage, of course, of being on a completely different continent and the clock being at a much more civilised time. 
But regardless, I want to thank you both ever so much for giving so freely of said time for joining me for this conversation. Uh, so I usually go in reverse order. So I think I introduced Rod last. So Rod, would you like to let the good listeners know where they can hear more of your work? So if you want to hear from us, head over to SMR Podcast website. Uh, you'll get to hear a lot about myself, Chris, Rob, and us talking tech. And then uh, Chris and I have another show called Barbecue and Tech. So if you like uh, cooking and you want to learn about that, just head over to Barbecue and Tech. Um, we are getting ready to kick off season two. So there's already eight episodes up there or 10 episodes up there. And you can catch up and then join us for the next season. Ooh, best of luck with that. That sounds, Thank you. sounds like a delicious podcasting series. <laughs> and Chuck, do you want to remind the listeners yet again where they can find more of your great work? Sure, sure. Um, first, I want to say, though, that thanks a lot, Rod. I haven't had dinner yet, so now I'm extra hungry. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> I don't have any barbecue in their fridge, so I'm in trouble. Um, you can find what I do at macvoices.com. That's where we interview a lot of interesting people. We have one-on-ones. We have group discussions. Uh, we do Mac Voices live on YouTube on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. We'd love to have you join us uh, in the chat there at youtube.com slash TV. The comments of the of the attendees there are always welcome. And on social media, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner on pretty much any of the major uh, social medias. Bart, thanks for having us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have you guys. Um Before we finish up, just to let the listeners know that there are detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that inform my thinking on this month's Apple News at lets-talk.ie. While you're perusing those rather lengthy show notes this month, um, you will notice that there is a section of the sidebar called Support the Show, which has links to various ways in which you can support the show. This show is 100% listener supported. There are no ads, there are no sponsors. And the reason for that is because I, I... I don't want to be beholden to anyone to potentially influence my opinions. I don't want there to be any idea that someone could be influencing my opinions. So basically, this show exists because you guys allow it to exist. And I am eternally grateful to everyone who has ever supported the show in any way. And support means the simple stuff like tell your friend, tweet about the show, post about it on that Facebook thing I hate. You know, just, you know, if you're there, post about it, even though I'll never see it. Um, So to anyone who has ever helped the show in any way, I thank you ever so much. Uh, There are links there to Patreon, which is a fantastic way to support the show on a regular basis. PayPal, which is a great way to make a one-off contribution. And there's also ways where you can help me by helping yourself with affiliate links for uh, DigitalOcean and um, Hover.com, where I get my domains and my VMs and other cool server nerdy things. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody, this is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. 
Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.